Developing a cybersecurity culture in your business might sound like making sure your IT person has access to the latest patches and software updates. But today's guest says the best defense against cyber attacks and protecting all your valuable business data is not technology. Now, when we come back, we'll find out what they're talking about and what you should be doing to beef up your cybersecurity culture. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, and I'm very excited about today's guest, Perry Carpenter. Perry is a cybersecurity expert, and in today's world, where more and more of our lives are plugged into internet-enabled devices at work and at home, having a cybersecurity culture mindset is important if we want to keep our information safe. Perry currently serves as the Chief Evangelist and Strategy Officer for NoB4, the world's most popular security awareness and simulated phishing platform. He's a recognized thought leader on security awareness and the human factors of security, providing advice to some of the world's best-known brands. Plus, he's also the co-author of the book, The Security Culture Playbook, an executive guide to reducing risk and developing your human defense layer. It is such a privilege to have him with us today. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Perry. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am excited about this topic because... You know, everywhere you go, people are glued to their phones, glued to their iPads, their electronic devices of all sizes. <laughs> so please help us all understand what you mean by a cybersecurity culture and how is that different from basic cyber awareness or security awareness, I should say, because I want to make sure we all have the same understanding about what a cybersecurity culture is. It sounds bigger, but you tell me. Yeah. So security awareness is a phrase that I think is loaded with baggage. And it's also inadequate to describe what we actually, what I think we want and what we need. So when somebody says security awareness, the follow through with that usually involves putting some form of information in front of somebody. I just call that information dissemination. And it's usually information dissemination with the hope that as somebody reads that or views it, that they'll naturally change their behavior. And anybody that's been a teacher or a parent or has lived in the world for more than a few years knows that just giving somebody information doesn't always get the results you want because there's a gap between knowing something and caring about that thing. And there's even a gap between caring about something and wanting to act in the right way and actually doing it. That's why we have so many failed New Year's resolution lists. And so when we think about security culture, it awareness may be a nucleus within that, but it's so much more. So security culture, the way that we define it is that it is the ideas, the customs and the social behaviors of a group that influence that group's security overall. So it's really this this red through line of security values that goes throughout an organization. And then we even break that up into seven different components that can be measured. Attitudes, behaviors, cognition, communication, compliance, norms, and responsibilities. And so it really is the idea that 
from the perspective of an organization, the security culture is just the way that things are done in that organization when it comes to security, the things that people think, the things that they believe, the ways that they act, and then all of the unwritten rules and social pressures that come along with that as well. I love the way that you have fleshed that out. It sounds very comprehensive. It's, it's very impressive, actually. So when you're talking about an organization and You're not starting from scratch. You're going into an organization where people have certain behaviors, certain customs, certain habits that may not necessarily be the most conducive to having (laughs) a tight, yeah, cybersecurity culture. How do you go about changing behavior? I like what you said about, you know, going from caring to doing, because it's one thing to nod your head and say, yeah, 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 that makes sense. That's good. But it's another thing to actually do it. So where do you start, Perry? So where I usually advise that people start is just measuring what's there, because only after you have a baseline can you show whether you're improving or whether you're hurting yourself. And that's where the practicality of those seven different dimensions come in, because I can ask certain questions, I can deploy surveys, I can also look at um, operational data from logs and other data that we're able to collect electronically and get indicators about where everybody is across those things and where they believe the organization is at a whole so that we can also see if there's disconnects between where people think that they are and where they actually are. And then after we understand all of that, then we can start to chart a way to address any gaps between where we want to be and where we actually are. And then there's also some really good news in that, because I think that when people hear about seven dimensions, they get a little bit overwhelmed because they're like, well, what if I'm bad across all of those? I'm not where I want to be across all of those. Now I have to develop this comprehensive plan to address seven different things. And I don't really know how to do that. And there's good news in that each of these has a gravitational effect on the others. So if I really start to work on communication, maybe that affects attitudes. If I work on communication, maybe that affects norms a little bit. Or if I decide that I've got a really big deficit in attitudes, I work on that very specifically, and I start to see a lift across some of the others as well. Not all of them affect the others equally, but there are specific orbits that each of those tend to operate in. And if I work on one, it tends to pull some of the others along with it. Well, that's good to know, because I can imagine some people like, oh, God, seven things like my plate's not full enough already. Now I got to do some more here. So it's good that there's sort of a little bit of a domino effect that goes on. So a little bit can go a long way. Right. I am curious, in your experience, what is the root of most cybersecurity failures in an organization? From a failure perspective, I think that the evidence is clear, is that it comes down to some form of human being tricked or making a mistake or intentionally doing something to bypass a process, whether that's intentional or negligent. The Verizon data breach investigation report tends to prove that over and over every year. And last year, or the one that just came out, so it's the 2022 report, says that 82% of data breaches can be traced back to some form of human error. And that's why, in my mind, we really, really, really need to focus on this security culture piece. We need to focus on what I call the ABCs of security. And I'd say that like I invented the ABCs. I did not. This phrase has been used for a while, but there's it's been used by a few people. I'm one of those that use that. Uh, and ABCs is awareness, so the communication piece, behavior, 
really modeling and shaping behavior and picking technology based on the behavior patterns that it can encourage um, or prevent, and then culture, so those social norms, social values, and pressures, and so on. So when you're focusing across all three of those, then you can start to reduce that likelihood that human error will become the major factor of a breach, or you'll be able to really start to see some improvement in those areas. But unfortunately, when you look at the past couple decades of security, what you see is that organizations everywhere, and I think encouraged by the vendor community in a lot of ways, organizations everywhere continue to put their faith and their money in technology-based security products that say, oh, we can take care of that. And humans don't need to be trained. They don't need to be part of the answer to this because we know they're always going to make mistakes. And so we'll just fix it. And what we've seen over and over and over again is that the technology doesn't fix it. It just changes where the problem occurs. And you know, the last thing I'll say before I let you react to that is that when we look at the spending piece of that, what we see is that over 95% of security spending over the past several years has been focused on those very technology-laden types of tools and not really tipping any kind of hat towards the human side of things, and less than 5% has been really focused on the human. So what's the best place to start in focusing on the human side if you're looking to create a cybersecurity culture? I mean, it's one thing to get your baseline and do these measurements, but still on the human part, where's a good starting point? So what I do typically is, number one, you, you do have to you know, take the temperature of your organization. You need to know exactly what's going on, where your biggest problem points are. And then you can start to ask some very interesting questions of the executive team, because no matter what, you're always dealing with culture. Um, I can say I'm going to do a security culture program, but if my current culture within the executive suite won't tolerate that, well, then my security culture program won't go anywhere because the organizational culture won't allow it to. So I need to understand where I want to go from a security perspective, and I need to understand where I am organizationally because my security culture is always going to be a subcomponent of that organizational culture. So once I understand where I can be organizationally, then I can start to have some of the executive level conversations and really position this in the right way, which is the reason that I'm doing all of this in the first place is not security for the sake of security. It is to reduce human-based risk throughout the organization. And every organizational executive understands the language of risk. And so I'm going to start to uplevel the conversation to risk. And then I'm going to start to say, what risks am I actually impacting? Well, the risk of breach related to ransomware, the risk of intrusion based on somebody losing passwords as part of a phishing scam, the risk of a bad actor making it into the building through tailgating, the risk of somebody inappropriately sending out confidential data to somebody that doesn't need that. So it's reducing all of those risks. And then you get into the actual, how does that happen? And that comes down to some of the more traditional awareness pieces, but also technology that can help with that. They can also shape the behavior that you want and so on. So it's really kind of understanding where you are, up-leveling the conversation, and then pushing back down into the very practical things that you can do. And 
One of the things that I really love to do with CISO or the executive team is just ask the question, if you could wave a magic wand right now and three behaviors within your organization are addressed from a security perspective, what would those behaviors be? And it usually comes down to something related to phishing, something related to password management, and something related to incident reporting. Then you start to develop your plans based off that because those are very attainable things to be able to to actually address. Well, that's great the way you've narrowed it down. Like you said, attainable goals to address clearly things that management, senior management would want. Just going back to what you said earlier about having conversations with senior management to find out what the culture of the organization is so that you can dovetail being able to implement a more cyber secure culture, shall shall we say. Could you give us an example of where there was maybe a disconnect or a conflict where it's like, okay, we're not going to be able to take this tack. We have to take another. Because what you're talking about with, you know, leveling up the conversation to talk about where the human-based risks are, that just seems to be just so reasonable, so smart. How could something like that get crosswise with an existing culture or of an organization? Can you give me an example? Yeah. So we're security leaders tend to have issues with any the implementation of any program like this is always going to be competing priorities or you know fear or misunderstanding. So if I say, well, in order to address this risk, or let's say you don't even frame it with risk, let's say we're going to deal with phishing right now because everybody knows that phishing is a problem. Well, your executive team might not fully know that, but let's, it's the way most CISOs do it is say, we have to deal with the phishing problem. So we're going to do phishing training. We're going to release these videos and we're going to do an event. Well, now you've got five other executives that are saying, wait, you're taking time away from my employees. That affects productivity. Or you're sending out phishing simulations. And when somebody clicks on something, they might feel bad about that when you do training. So now you're affecting morale. And so you get shut down before you're even able to start in a lot of those things. But when you up-level the conversation and you start to address this in a way that resonates and is in tune with the culture of your organization, then you can start to get buy-in. You can also understand, this is key, you can understand where those objections and what those fears and concerns are so that you can work around those. You can directly address those in the way that you develop this and have really good conversations with the executive team on what their priorities are, what their beliefs are, what their goals are for the rest of the year so that you can use all of the different levers that matter for the organization and then use those as reasons why your security program, your security training program, culture program, whatever you decide to call it, why that is important. Because if it's a profit lever, well, our profit's not going to be all that great if we've got a data breach and we're having to spend a lot of money on investigation and response with that. Or Our profit's not going to be that great if we're not hitting this regulatory bar. Now we're having to pay fines and we're having to deal with all of that. And everybody's productivity is going out of the window because they're having to be babysitters to auditors. So you can start to find lots of reasons why doing the right thing from a security perspective actually aligns with several of the priorities and goals that other organizations, organizational leaders have. We, but we have to be willing to understand what those priorities, what those goals, what those fears are so that we can then back our 
I'm going to use the word argument, but not in a bad way, but back our argument or better said, our rationale into something that resonates with something that they're actually going to care about. Makes a lot of sense. It's all about the persuasion factor, which is awesome. And yeah, definitely putting it on their wavelength. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Just going to say in the security culture playbook that we wrote, I have a few worksheets in there that actually go through and help people figure out those lines of rationale and the conversations that people should have as they're getting by and with all these different departmental leaders and so on. So there's definitely ways that you can pre-think through all that so you're not taken off guard in the moment whenever somebody says, but wait, in our call center, We need X amount of productivity. So what now happens whenever you ask for some training time? Good to know. Nice to have that resource. And of course, we're going to have a link to your book, The Security Culture Playbook, Executive Guide to Reducing Risk and Developing Your Human Defense Layer in the show notes on the website, Business Confidential Radio. But one thing I wanted to explore with you is because I know some of our listeners are smaller businesses. They don't have a lot of departments, may not have call centers, and some of them may even be startups. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for someone in that position that's small, growing, I mean, it has great plans for the future in terms of size, but they're not there yet? How can they start building in a cybersecurity culture from the beginning? That's a great question. And the answer is actually way easier than you would think. It's just talk about it. Make cybersecurity, make risk management, make understanding the threats that come against an organization like yours, make that a frequent topic of conversation so it's top of mind. And then, of course, you can deploy training and and everything else. But I would say your number one step is just to make it a priority of things that you talk about so that it is something that your small team or whoever in your organization just knows that that is something that is that doing the right thing from a security perspective and being aware of the things that can happen is part of what your company is about, what your organization is about, and how you approach business. And then the other things you add on that, that way, when you do decide to do some more formal training, people go, oh, you know what? That's actually part of the DNA of this organization. We're, we're concerned about or we're even prideful about the way that we approach security and the protection of our customers' information or the protection of our intellectual property. It's just who we are. And then you do the next thing. And again, it's just who you are. And then you hire five more people and the people in your currently in your organization are now reflecting the values uh, that you've already espoused and kind of put into them. They're reflecting that out to other people uh, before they even have the chance to receive all that formal training. They're just showing them how the way things are done in your organization. You have the chance as a small organization to build the right culture from the ground up as you grow, which is a really good place to be. Well, if I'm hearing you correctly, it also sounds like a cybersecurity culture can be a real competitive advantage. Absolutely. If you're doing the right thing to protect your customer data, doing the right thing to protect your intellectual property, it's something that you should talk about. And I'll put a caveat on that. You don't want to talk about it in a boastful way, because at that point, you're just inviting somebody to try to prove you wrong in a malicious way. You don't want to boast about it, put down all your competitors and everything else and say, we're the best. But you can stand up very proudly and say, we take this seriously. We bake it into our culture. We really believe that protection of our customer information, of our internal processes and controls and everything else is one of the most important things that we can do as an organization. And 
we try to infuse that value in everybody we hire, every process we develop, and so on. You can talk about that really well. You can also, let's say you deploy a piece of technology or a process that actually puts in a little speed bump for your customers. And now they have to register for something or they've got to add a more complex password or something else. You can now actually flip that, something that they may have taken as a negative because in their mind, maybe it's inconvenient to do that. But you can say, this is just one more sign of the importance that we take on doing the right thing with your data. And so every time you feel that little bit of friction, that's actually you're feeling us doing the right thing for your data. And the fact that we value you as your as our customer is something now that shines through some of these other things. So you can take something that might be seen as a negative to some people and you can talk about it in a very positive way. That's fabulous. That really is. So lots of advantages to having a cybersecurity culture. Thank you so much for joining me today, Perry, your time and your generous advice to help us learn more about cybersecurity culture. That is more than just cyber awareness, because it really is important for businesses to get this under control, especially as there's going to be you know, more opportunity with technology for our data and our intellectual property to be attacked and possibly stolen. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Perry Carpenter, his firm, or his book, The Security Culture Playbook, an executive guide to reducing risk and developing your human defense layer. Those links can be found at the show notes at businessconfidentialradio.com. And if you know someone who'd like to increase their cybersecurity culture or should increase their cybersecurity culture, please tell them about this episode. Share the link, leave a positive review so others can find out about it too. You can do that on your podcast app or over at lovethepodcast.com forward slash businessconfidential. Thank you so much for listening today. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Have a great day and an even better, more cyber secure tomorrow.